0: If you want the people in your workplace to work safely, you have to clearly demonstrate to them that you're supporting them and working safely.
1: At 15, I looked at this contraption, the mishmash of formwork and bracing that we were going to take wheelbarrows up. And I think it was at that point that I went, somebody's going to get killed. You are listening to WorkShift a podcast from the Workers' Compensation Board of Nova Scotia.
2: Welcome to WorkShift. This is Episode 3, and we'll be talking about safety in small and large-scale construction. My name is Stuart McLean. I'm the CEO of the Workers' Compensation Board of Nova Scotia. Today's guests are Dan Monk, who's the owner and founder of Monk Renovations, a builder here in the Halifax area, and Steve Snyder, General Manager and CEO of the Halifax Harbour Bridges, Over the last 10 years, the construction sector has seen significant progress in reducing their injury rates. In fact, they had over 1,500 time loss injuries at one point, and now have less than 500 time loss injuries on an annual basis. We're seeing improvements because people are hearing the message that if they want to see real change, we have to move from knowing about safety to really caring about it. A shift in safety culture doesn't come easy. But when it does, we can point to one thing, and that's strong leadership. And I've got two strong leaders here with me today. My guests, Dan Monk and Steve Snyder, have done a lot of work, not just on their own companies, but working with industry and working with leaders to create a climate for safety so we can all be successful. Dan's background in engineering and construction and the pride he puts into his work have made Monk one of the most recognizable names in renovation here in Halifax. Our other guest, Steve, has been at the helm of Halifax Harbor Bridges for over 28 years. The two bridges that run between Halifax and Dartmouth have about 34 million crossings per year. You can imagine the magnitude here. Dan and Steve, welcome to WorkShift.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
2: So I start off with Dan um, in terms of our conversation. What's the biggest challenge that you think faces safety in construction?
1: I've thought... A fair bit about this uh, with regard to safety in our industry. Uh, In recent years, probably the last two to three, with the growth of construction, uh, some people call it a boom. I I, I see it as a correction. Um, People have discovered Nova Scotia, Atlantic Canada, and we're seeing more and more demand for our industry, for our skilled trades, and what that has done is put a lot of pressure on an industry that I don't believe it was quite ready um, by producing uh, young uh, tradespeople to replace the older tradespeople. So we're seeing a lot of stress put on the actual workforce. Fewer people trying to do more. We've got a huge amount of immigration uh, which is which is great, or it's huge for Nova Scotia. It's not huge immigration, but it's it's a larger number. So when you start talking about ten thousand people moving into the province annually, it also ju- just puts a huge stress on the existing workforce. Um, that puts a stress on safety. People start cutting corners. They start thinking about how can I do things faster rather than safer. I've always told my, my employees that doing it safely when you're comfortable and confident is usually faster, even if it took you longer to set up.
2: The issue you describe is, is going to get more acute. Um, when you think of what we have a provincial government that's basically said we're going to grow the population, which we just came over a million people as a population. And they want and have a focus to bring immigration to get us to 2 million people. That really says a lot about if we're having issues now with creating tradespeople. Is something that we're going to see more of as we go forward.
1: You can go back even 20 years ago when all of our young population was being trained here in Nova Scotia and moving to where? Alberta, right? The, the oil industry was pulling them west because there weren't enough jobs here to keep them. And then... We seem to slow down on the training because we were losing so many people. Why are we training them to send them away? Now, because we weren't training enough, we don't have enough. So now we have an aging workforce that's retiring. And when a 40-year veteran retires, you can have 40 freshmen coming in, and they don't replace that one 40-year journeyman.
2: That's a ch- That sounds like a big challenge. It is
1: a big challenge. That's nice. all. Also- <clears throat> Okay. jumping come in here yeah, it's
0: also increased risk you know you have to you're making a decision am we got to get that person to come do the work am I willing to take on that risk at the end of the day one of the risks is that they injure themselves while they're, while they're at your workplace mm-hmm. and you end up living with that
2: now Steve you've managed this organization that has two major bridges and lots of people I've used you as many 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 times as an example I'd say you know you don't you don't have optional things. You know, you don't say, well, you can wear your fall restraint if you feel like it when you're in the top of the bridge. <laughs> so we have big, big time um, leadership, also a best practice approach, and also the discipline to only do something if you can do it safely. I think you've really epitomized that throughout your career. And you've given, I said it at your retirement, I believe this, one of the gifts you have that you've given to your employees is a safety culture. But uh, when you think about the biggest challenges that you have, in and in, we'll call it, Large-scale construction. I mean, you replaced the surface of of the McDonald Bridge in, in a quite a big way in the Big Lift, and in, in a an innovative way. And there were some big challenges there. What was what? What can you tell us about that experience?
0: I'd like to share with you a little bit first about the safety culture that we have at yeah, that'd be great. Harbor that'd Bridges, be awesome. yeah. um, and it wasn't always what it is today. Uh, you know, I've I started off in the fishing industry. I worked for a company that, that you know, I, I remember taking the one-week total loss control program uh, training. Uh, I've always been committed to safety. I've always felt that I've been a person who's who's focused on safety. But, you know, it was over halfway into my career at HHB that I realized that we weren't doing enough to cross the T's and dot the I's the way we should, that we weren't as focused as we need to be. We, we, we felt good about safety, but we were still... Accepting some risk that we shouldn't have been, and we ended up hiring a safety manager. Uh, he helped me understand that that unless leadership have a focus on safety, then nobody else is going to give a hoot about it. Um, we changed our approach. We we brought on uh, we brought the board on side. We brought the staff on side. Uh, there's there's something that one of my safety managers has has driven home with me over the years, and it's. Eyes on task, mind on task, and don't rush. And and you know that you've, t-
2: you've been taking lessons from Dan. <laughs> that's exactly what he said.
0: <laughs> well, that's you know, and, and and that applies to the person who's doing the work, but it also applies to the CEO and the management team, hundred yeah. percent, that are managing safety at the workplace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A culture isn't what the leader does; it's what the entire organization does. And so for, for us at HHB, where we've, where we've moved into in the last 12 years and really starting to, to shine a little more even in the last four or five is that it's been by first of all putting our hearts and our minds into safety, recognizing that, that the most important thing is ensuring that, that our employees and our contractors go home every night because it's you know we have fathers and sons and mothers and daughters who are working on our site and we need to make sure that they go home to their families and so it's it's been it's been our individual commitment myself and all of the other managers and the supervisors and the employees so it's uh, it's so, made a big difference so
2: tell me how you felt when the big lift was on your your board says or you said to the board, we need to, we need to replace the surface here and we need to do some big structural changes on the, on the bridge to give it longevity. What does Steve Snyder, when he gets up and brushes his teeth and looks in the mirror and say, what, what does he say to that guy? And how did you actually approach that challenge as a leader?
0: I looked to hire the best people that we could in terms of working with us as, as our contractors and consultants. Um, we interviewed the safety managers. We, we did a short listing of, of contractors for that project. And we had their senior safety managers come in and we interviewed them and talked to them about their, their commitment to, to safety. Um, you need to go beyond that. Um, you, you, you know, it, uh, we had some challenges with that particular project. But overall, I mean, the, the magnitude of that project was pretty significant because we, structurally we removed the entire trust from from. Cable bent to cable bent, um, and uh, to be out on site and, and see when they cut a piece out of the bridge, and it's gone, and you're like, <gasps> it's you know, uh, it, it, I'm it, not going up there. That's for sure. Well, um, we um, it was it was a huge project. We really focused on ensuring that uh, American Bridge, who was the contractor, was also the constructor. So that meant that we actually gave up the bridge to American Bridge. If our maintenance staff or engineering staff wanted to go out on the bridge, we had to go to the contractor and sign into his worksite. Um, so they had full responsibility for the structure and the safety. Um, and so it was, we put a lot of time and effort into into making sure that, that they at least started the project with the appropriate safety program in place. What we found was that, the person who makes a lot of difference is the senior contractor staff on site. So the the the, the contractor leadership, you know, um, if they demonstrate a high regard for safety, then their team will. If they, you know, don't focus on that, then it becomes more of a problem. And and we actually had that challenge throughout the big lift. There reached a point in time where where. Uh, we were unsatisfied with the contractor's focus on safety. We couldn't get them to, to refocus or change. and we finally said, look, we're stopping the project. We're you know, put down the tools um, and you need to come back and demonstrate to us that you've got the appropriate safety program in place. A, a big part of it was a uh, drop control program. I mean they, they were dropping our objects into the harbor. They were dropping, dropping objects you know onto DND, and we couldn't abide that. And so we said, tools down. And you're on a big risk. I mean, how much are they going to sue you for? It was a huge relief to our management team that we took that position and said, tools down. Because otherwise, we were running with the risk of somebody being hurt. And, and that's hard to live with. Yeah. And so our team
2: was very relieved when we did that. Dan, do you see a, a, a metaphorical parallel in residential construction?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's less. Uh, you brought up something that just... It was like a light bulb to me uh, over my head as you mentioned about signing into somebody else's job site. Now, you guys own the bridge, it's your bridge. Oh, we run into the same thing with homeowners. Well, we're working in their home, and I don't know how many times I've had homeowners who love to pop into the site after hours. Well, it's a controlled site. And they've had to go through doors and barricades to get in, but they get in and walk around what can be a dangerous place if you don't know what we've removed the day before or what we've haven't finished framing or or things like this. We've had people step on wet uh, tile. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but we got to replace the tile the next day. Um, or somebody walk on with inappropriate footwear. Um, I even had a gentleman, this is about four or five years ago, we were redoing his kitchen. He decided to walk through his kitchen that was under construction in the middle of the night in his bare feet to get a drink of water. And I got a scathing email the next day that he drove a nail in his foot and how inappropriate my sight was because it wasn't safe. I said, I had to, you know, I didn't want to get too cranky with them. But I said, well, we tend to wear work boots when we're on your job site and on our bare feet.
2: They call it personal protective equipment for a reason.
1: It can still be as dangerous as a a large civil site like you would have with your bridges.
0: It it strikes me that, that, you know, you wouldn't think about doing this necessarily with a homeowner. But, you know, we routinely do, uh, you know, job hazard assessment before we start the work. And, you know, upfront communication with the homeowner to say, this is our work site. You know, you have to have all your safety equipment and you really need to be supervised coming in here. Wow. Hadn't
2: thought of that. Now, Dan, was there a lightning bolt moment for you or sometime when you became a safety champion or is it something that just evolved over time?
1: I started in heavy civil construction or civil construction when I was 15. Um, you know, his first job was working, pouring a foundation. Um, we were pouring it by hand, mixing the concrete and, and wheelbarrows and pouring a foundation by hand. And at 15, I I looked at this contraption that had been constructed around this – mishmash of formwork and bracing that we were going to take wheel up that weighed about 200 pounds with a 150 to 200 pound man behind them and wheel them around on these planks and bracing and dump it in and pour this foundation. And I think it was at that point that I went, oh my God, somebody's going to get killed. Or at least seriously injured, and then you know I grew up in rural Nova Scotia, and and we, you know, you you it wasn't that you you cut corners; you just only had so much to work with. Sometimes things got broke. Sometimes people got broke, um, and I seen it myself. I was never a big stature man, um, so I you know you worked a little bit harder, pushed a little bit more than what you should have. You know, lifting, tugging, doing things that you shouldn't have done to your body. But at 16, 17, 18, the next day you were fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at 52, um, let's just say I, I know every one of the problems I created when I was 18. <laughs> well, you know, the
2: funny thing about youth especially is, uh, you know, one of the things I'll always say is, you're, you know, your, your parents teach you to do as you're told and respect your elders. You hear that right through school, and then all of a sudden you're in a job site. So, what are you going to do? You're going to respect your elders? You're going to do as you're told? And if someone is the supervisor is not actually caring about safety, if you don't have your senior people tucked in, if you're not tucked in, if you don't show up and talk about it, then you don't have a safety culture. It just, you know, I always say it doesn't, it's not even about the money. It's mostly more about whether people care about it.
1: But in the same respect, one of the things that you brought up there with youth, they kind of get a bad rap. They really do. We uh, There's a lot of people who pick on millennials and whatnot and what how they think, how they do jobs nowadays. One of the things that I've seen in, in my experience is a lot of these young people are coming out with much more um, awareness of safety than ever before. They do want to go home with everything they brought to the job site, uh, that includes the You know, it used to be a joke in my industry that you weren't a carpenter if you had five fingers on every hand.
0: That was a requirement
2: for being promoted to a supervisor. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure if that's a good thing to be in the job description, but... uh. But
1: but it was, uh, that was the culture. Well, you know, things happen, but they didn't have to, but they did. I see the the youth coming out today have more of an awareness of safety. They have uh, more of a... Should I say a healthy fear? Sometimes fearlessness, or as you put it, invincibility, is not good.
2: So, Steve, when we're driving across the bridge and we look up and we see workers way up there, we think about how scary it would be and how important safety is. The the fact that you could go up there and spend all day up there is really, really hard to understand for a lot of us.
0: Working working at heights is considered um, high risk. Um, in our shop, nobody goes to work unless they've had their fall arrest training and their confined space training. It's critically important. Um, we have uh, zero tolerance on, on tie off. Uh, you must be tied off. The the team out there, I, I would say, are um, very focused uh, on their own personal safety and and the safety of their fellow employees. Um, we actually uh, we get more um, safety suggestions from our from our coatings crew, um, than we do any other department, or at least this past year, that's been the case. Um, they recognize that they're working at heights, you know, it's 160 feet between them and the water surface or or land. I'm, I'm pretty proud of what they've accomplished. You know, one thing that's interesting, you know, a lot of organizations think that, Uh, You know, safety costs too much because you've got to go through all that training and and you've got to do all all that effort, uh, that it takes longer to get the job done. Um, You know, one thing that's been beneficial for us, at least this is my perception, you know, I was happy to engage our employees in the development of our safety program. It's my belief that, you know, once your employees are engaged in your safety program, they become more engaged in their work. So if you're looking for, for job you know job engagement, um, it's a great way to start the process, and uh, engage them through safety, and 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 then they'll start doing job design. Uh, you know they're they're thinking about how to do it more safely, or more effectively.
2: What I see in both of you is a leader that understands that the message from the top is important. And the culture actually starts with what do we what do we talk about? In Nova Scotia, we have about three hundred well, three percent of our companies have uh about sixty percent of the payroll. So it's a relatively small number. It's about three hundred and fifty companies in Nova Scotia. And that group uh is mission critical. And then we have medium and small business, and, and again, it's more more workers and way more organizations doing more with less.
1: You bring up a good point though, because we were talking about the size of companies earlier Mm -hmm. and in our industry, uh, the home building home renovation industry is made up of a very diverse, small business owners. Many of our, the companies in our industry are two to five people, you know, A 10, 20, 30-person company is in our business is a medium-sized company. Trying to get to those small business owners Mm -hmm. and and help them to be safer because the lost time injuries are coming uh, from our industry. We spoke about the commercial industry versus the residential industry and how their know their, their rates are lower because their lost time injuries are lower. So how do we get our industry safer? And, you know, I'm not just about talking about safety. How do we actually implement it so guys and gals are going home unbroken? I, I won't say that it's easy. It's going to be a lot of work to get to all these diverse small businesses and help them implement the culture of
2: it's better to be safe than, than injured. So Dan, I have another question for you. We're going to grow this population by a million people over the next numbers of years. We're going to have people come from all around the world. They speak different languages, different cultures. So we have all these different safety challenges. We have challenges with language What's it like to be in, in your business when you're dealing with language barriers, temporary foreign workers? What are the big things that come to mind for you?
1: Well, number one, what you brought up about growth, tremendous opportunities um, for, for, for business growth, obviously, in our city because of this. With that comes the challenges of, uh, you know, different cultures, different, certainly different safety cultures as – as Steve is talking about culture uh, and safety culture it's it's not the same. Also language barriers training becomes uh more of a challenge. We have to overcome that um, when I'm hiring, you know i have I have to know that I'm communicating what their rights are and i'm I must be honest, I do a lot of it through Google Translate. It is a situation that we're going to have to learn to deal with, and and these new immigrants are going to have to work safe. It's not an option, so that
2: it's just where we are. Steve, do you have uh, temporary foreign workers at uh, at the bridge?
0: Not at this point in time. It's it's something that we've actually had conversation about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're going to have challenges in the future. I've been um, thrilled to see how the snowball has grown at HHB, meaning that, you know, we started off small and slow and there was so many things that we wanted to work on, but we, we, we just continued to be focused and be focused. Um, I've shared this with Stuart before. One of the things that, that I'm pretty proud about, and I think it demonstrates their support, every board meeting we start starts with a safety moment um, and the board members put forward, you know, their experiences and share with us. Um, and um, it's that's part of our culture. Uh, another part of our culture, and this is one, you know, we, we were talking earlier about students. I was just sitting here thinking, what do we have in our school system? You know, a lot of our high school students become employees before they graduate from high school. And, you know, can you somehow manage to get, you know, Two to four hours of training opportunity so that high school students can understand what their rights are and what their responsibilities are before they start working. You know, it's, it's easier to train them than it is to retrain them. And I was thinking earlier, Dan, when you're talking about, you know, the number of people coming in the, the immigration and, you know, hiring them that, that, you know, you get to start fresh. And so ideally, you know, with a clean slate, you can, you can write your own story um, and, uh, and it gets better. So.
2: You know, that rhetorical question, uh, my answer to that is we're not doing enough, right? I think it's in, we have some in the curriculum in grade nine, but even the universities, they don't, you can go through a business school and not really, And it'll be like, you know, I took an executive MBA uh, here in, with one of the universities here in Atlanta, Canada, and it was like one little paragraph was all we touched on in that whole program on health and safety under HR. And fundamentally, safety, is a, it is an HR strategy. You need to keep your people safe for a lot of productivity reasons, but more importantly is the, the people reason. So, Dan, uh, when I think about um, construction in particular, one of the things that's been really effective in that sector has been the certificate of recognition adoption. So, in, in other words, adopting what I would call a best practice roadmap which is everything from having a policy to having accident investigation, to have hazards hazards identify, to following up when something happens, to having a Josh committee, to having that minuted, and that structure and process that's really worked for construction, is there is there an opportunity there for medium and small businesses to follow that same roadmap, if you will?
1: No, you're not too small, and it's a great question. We've been core certified for many years now. It's... It does give you, I believe you use the word roadmap. It, it's a plan. It's, it gives you, they're simple tools. Um, just even the practice of writing out a safety policy, making sure that all the content that's required in a safety policy is there so that it makes it simple to read, simple to understand, the, the policy itself can be just the first – it is the first step.
2: Right.
1: And then when you move into investigations, you know, something happens or hazard Conversation assessments. Conversation
2: is important, right? which gives you an opportunity. Well,
1: we changed, the, we changed the name of hazard assessments to work that hurts just as an example because I, we wanted it to be more visual. Hazard assessment seems like something that will happen to somebody else work that hurts. We wanted it to be personal. We wanted that assessment to be personal. Having it audited. Most people are scared to death of that audit, by the way. Most small businesses, they don't want somebody coming in and looking at what they've done. And all it is is a system of once you've got the program in place, are you keeping your records? Are you doing what you said you were going to do? It's not complicated.
0: Full disclosure, we use the core program at HHB. And from our perspective, it was our training wheels. Uh, it was a tremendous help. You know, we we focus on see something, say something, do something. But you know, having a safe workplace becomes, to me, joyfully contagious. Meaning that I have discussions about safety with my family. Uh, our children are older now, but you know, as they were starting into the workforce, I talked to them about that uh, a fair bit about their uh, duties and responsibilities. What I would like to see, we spoke about it a little bit earlier, that everybody working at the plate, everybody entering the workforce clearly understands what their rights are and what their responsibilities are, uh, because it's my hope that everybody in the workplace is a leader in safety.
2: So, in summary, I want to thank both of you for being here today, for your valuable time. We heard today that leadership matters, that you should create a caring environment where people have permission to refuse unsafe work. We heard also that there's a roadmap available for those in construction and other sectors. We also heard that it's important to have courage, and it's important to put safety over productivity at times. And you heard Steve give us a great example today. So thank you so much from both of you.
0: Very welcome. Thank you, Stuart.
2: From us at Workers' Compensation, my name is Stuart McLean, and everyone have a safe day. Thank you.
1: You are listening to WorkShift, a podcast from the Workers' Compensation Board of Nova Scotia. If you would like to learn more, you can visit worksafeforlife.ca.